Hebrews chapter 13. We are in our last, we're in our last week of Hebrews here. We've been doing this for 14 weeks now, and this is our last teaching from Hebrews. So I do hope that you guys are open to what this book has been about, the many ways that it's challenged me. Hopefully it's challenged you as well, and uh, in this last bit today, so. Does anybody need a Bible? It's page 10-something or other in the Bible. 1096, I think. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. Hebrews chapter 13. And when you're there, say giddy up. And <laughs> we'll get started. <laughs> All right, let's pray. God, we uh, are just so thrilled uh, to be able to look into these ancient words, and, and uh, we thank you for preserving this book of Hebrews, this, um, this powerful word that you have spoken to, uh, to the early church and, and also to us, and uh, we ask that you move in us this morning, teach us this morning, we ask that you pastor us, we ask that your spirit moves in our hearts so this word becomes a living word, and, uh, and cuts us, and does something, and changes us, and so we're, we are open to you this morning. In Jesus', Jesus name, amen. Verse 9, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 9. Do not be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings. Do not be carried away. This, this theme of, being, of drifting and falling is all throughout the book of Hebrews. Do not be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings. It is good for our hearts to be strengthened by grace, not by ceremonial foods, which are of no value to those who eat them. And specifically, the author here is, is referring to those who were called the Judaizers. They're, they're Jewish, quote-unquote, Christians who are coming and they're preaching. And what they're preaching is, is, in order to be a good Jewish Christian, you have to go back to the Jewish ceremonial laws. You have to follow the law. You have to be circumcised. You have to eat the right foods, the ceremonial foods. And, and, and in this way, God will be happy with you. You have to earn God's favor, essentially, still, through still continuing to practice our Jewish religion. And it's strange. It's foreign. It's, it's, it's completely foreign to the gospel. And so what he's saying is, like, all of these ceremonial things, these, these foods that you were to eat, all of these rituals... They never took away the guilt of sin. They never really made you feel better about your miserable life. And so why go back to this instead of the, the gospel of grace? So cling to grace. Cling, cling to that. And don't listen to these strange foreign teachings. And there are strange teachings all around us today, aren't there? I mean, strange, foreign, weird. And I would say, I mean, I don't, a, a lot of churches have strange, weird teachings. And it's, it's like, it's kind of like junk food. My uh, roommate, uh, I should say my housemate, because I don't share a room with him. Got to be careful with these t- terminology these days. Uh, my housemate, Timothy, bought a, uh, a, a nice package of um, off-brand Save-A-Lot Oreos, and they were delicious. The, uh, the um, double, double cream? Is that what they're called? Double stuff? And I ate a sleeve of them. 
like one, one row. <laughs> and I was hungry. I was looking for something to eat. And these, they looked good. And I just like downed a sleeve with some milk. And it was, it was glorious. And, and afterwards, I like, I ran a 5K, right? No. I, I felt miserable. I felt absolutely, like, I was like, Ugh. it was sitting there. And uh, the, they, were, they weren't tasty anymore. Um, and I, was, I actually was thinking about that as I was eating these with my housemate. I was thinking, like, this is kind of like the strange teaching that is all around us. Like, it, it tastes good. It's, I mean, you know, it's, like, it's, it's attractive. You look at it and you're like, man, I like that. It makes me feel good right now. It makes me feel better about my state right now. But it's absolutely unnourishing. It's, it, there's no substance to it. And, it. and it literally just it makes you sick. And out of, out of fear of, of uh, a fear of man, we all, I, I believe, we all tend to withdraw from the gospel, withdraw really from the scriptures, and we begin to like uh, preach and, and take in and desire strange teachings Be, out of fear of being seen as too radical or too conservative or too liberal or whatever that might be. And, and I, I get it all. Like some people think I'm too liberal. Some people think I'm too conservative. Some people think I'm, you know, it's like, and out of fear, we have this tendency to just draw back and say, okay, how about we just do a sermon on the three ways to have a nicer marriage. You know? Don't yell at your wife, number one. Number two, wives, don't, don't yell at your husbands. You know? <laughs> and we just kind of like sit in these like weird, strange kind of teachings and call it, call it the gospel. And so he, all, all throughout Hebrews, it has have been these warnings of falling away of, of drifting away, falling back, missing the grace. And here again, one last time he's saying, don't, don't drift into these strange teachings. Teachings that, that take the gospel and pervert it and make it something about you. Make it something other than the, the glory of Christ. Don't listen to it. Don't take it in. Remove yourself from it. And those who, who take it in and they live lives of strange teachings, the, the reality is it's always, it's always the same. Mediocre. Medi- mediocre lives. Mediocre ministry. Mediocre impact in the community. And they're worshiping a mediocre Jesus. And some of you might be looking at your lives right now and you're like, man, it's pretty mediocre. And it makes you sick. So strange teaching, or contrast that with Hebrews 13, 20, and 21. Now, may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will, and may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever and ever. Amen. Like Hebrews is rich, isn't it? It's rich, it's substance, it's deep. There's, there's so much there. And, it, and the, the whole book has been like this. It's, it tastes good, but at the same time, it's like, it's substantial, it's real, it's filling, and it changes, it, it, it breaks us, it cuts us, and it changes us. 
Over, over the past weeks, as we've been, uh, 14 weeks, just diving in, into this, this book of Hebrews, anything but strange, anything but mediocre, anything but lacking, it's substantial, it's meat. And there have been these persistent warnings over and over and over again. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. You're, you're, you are in danger of missing it. You're in danger of falling off. The, let me ask you guys this. What is it that we're in danger of missing? God's purpose. Do you know I had purpose written down right here in my notes? I almost said it myself, and I wanted to see if Keziah would get it. Because <laughs> we talked beforehand. No, God's purpose. Exactly. That you'll miss God's purpose for your life. Your, your one purpose. We all have one purpose, and that is the glory of God. That's it. That is our purpose. Every fiber of our being is to be lived and for, the, for the glory of God. That's it. How can, we, how can we read this and walk away and think anything less? You know, how can we literally, how can we read Hebrews and walk away and say, I can just keep on living the way I've been living? I can live for myself. I can live for my own glory. I can do things that build me up. How can we do that? Like the whole thing is like, don't miss God's purpose for your life. Don't miss the one, the one purpose to glorify. Don't miss it. Verse 11. <clears throat> the, the next three verses, I really believe, completely sum up the, uh, uh, the message of Hebrews and, and sum up exactly what it, what it is that we don't want to be missing. Verse 11. The high priest, it says, carries the blood of animals into the most holy place as a sin offering, but the bodies are burned outside the camp. Now he's going back to the sacrificial teaching again. And, you know, all throughout Hebrews, we've talked about this, uh, the, the image of the sacrifice within the Jewish context, within the sacrifice of taking a goat and offering it for the, for the, uh, to cover the sins. All of that has been fulfilled in Christ. And this whole book has been pointing back from the sacrifice to Christ, the sacrifice to Christ, the high priest who's doing the sacrifice to Christ. Everything, Christ has completely filled everything, and he's going back one last time, looking again at the sacrifices, and, and what he's pointing out is when the sacrifices were offered, and they, they took the, the animal, and they sliced it, and blood went all over the place, uh, and, and that blood would uh, take care of the sins for the year, or whatever. They would take the body, and they would take the body outside of the camp. This is as they're wandering through the wilderness, a, a nomadic sort of people, they would literally be in a camp. They would take the body outside of the camp. When they uh, became a civilized people, that meant outside of Jerusalem, outside the city walls. Because in here, it's safe. We could even draw it. Let me uh, find my... In here, it's safe. In here, it's holy. It's religious in here. It's good. It's comfortable. And out here they would, is, is where they would burn the bodies. Take it out. Get it out. That's, look at, uh, actually don't turn there. I'll just read it to you. Leviticus chapter 13, verses 45 and 46. The person with such an infectious disease must wear torn clothes, let his hair be unkempt, cover the lower body of his face and crowd unclean, unclean, 
as long as they have the disease, they must remain unclean. They must live alone. They must live outside the camp. So lepers is, is what that, that's, that's it's talking about lepers. Lepers in your community, these people with con- these disgusting, destructive, contagious diseases are not to stay inside here where it's safe and where it's comfortable in our camp, in our city. They are to be outside the camp, outside the city gates, and that's where they're to live alone. The bodies of the animals, uh, Leviticus chapter 16, the man who releases the goat as a scapegoat must wash his clothes, bathe himself with, with water. Afterward, he may come into the camp. The bull and the goat for the sin offerings whose blood was brought into the most holy place to make atonement must be taken outside the camp. Their hides, flesh, and offal are to be burned up. So all the guts and the flesh and the, and the body of that animal is taken outside the gates, outside the camp, and that's where their bodies are burned. Uh, Leviticus chapter 24. This is a Jewish law, by the way. Leviticus chapter 24. Take the blasphemer outside the camp. All those who, who, uh, who heard him are to lay their hands on his head and the entire assembly is to stone him. And so the blasphemer and sinners in persi- per- persistent sin are to be taken outside the camp and that's where they're left. That's where their bodies are left. You see, so in their context now, he's, he's drawing to mind this, this outside-the-camp imagery. In here, it's safe. In here, it's comfortable. In here, it's religious. This is where, as a Jew, this is where you want to be. As a Jew, you don't want to be outside the camp. Outside the camp is where the sinners are. It's where the blasphemers are. It's where the trash is. It's where the brokenness is. It's, it's where the outcasts are. It's where the prostitutes are. The tax collectors are there. The, the poor are outside the camp. It represents sin. It represents sickness. It represents decay. You do not want to be outside the camp. In our context today, I would suggest outside the camp would refer to places, nations where terrorists strike often just destructive, dangerous places to live outside the camp. Places where Christians are imprisoned and killed outside the camp. Where the poorest of the poor live on $1 a day, wearing nothing but shorts in a shack outside the camp. Where AIDS is rampant and literally destroying civilizations outside the camp. The inner cities of America, in Baltimore, Chicago, Philadelphia, Atlanta, Los Angeles, inner cities of America, outside the camp. The ghettos of those ostracized from mainstream community, outside the camp. For many, the gay community, outside the camp. Immigrant populations, outside the camp. In our context, like the Jewish context, in here it's safe, it's comfortable, we know this, we don't want to be outside the camp. Verse 12, and so Jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy through his own blood. Is anybody tracking here? Jesus is not found in the comfortable places. He's not found in the American dream. He's not found in separating yourself from those who who make you uncomfortable. Jesus is found in the suffering. He's found in the pain. 
He's, he's found in countries where 12-year-olds trap themselves with bombs and become suicidal terrorists. He's found where the poorest of the poor live on $1 a day. He's found where AIDS is rampant and destroying civilizations. He's found in the inner cities of America where there's hurt, and there's drug addiction, and there's prostitution, and there's pain. Verse 13, let us then go to him outside the camp, bearing the disgrace he bore. Let us then follow Jesus. Jesus went outside of the camp, out here where it's dangerous and where it's risky and where it's sinful and it's, it's dirty and it's, it's problematic. That's where Jesus went. So, if you want to follow Jesus, let us follow Jesus. Let us go to him, because he's not here. Let us go to him outside the camp, bearing the disgrace that he bore. Do you see what what Hebrews has been all about? I mean, in a nutshell, do you see where the author has been taking this entire sermon or letter or whatever originally was? Jesus is, is out there. Jesus is in the places where you don't want to go. So if you want to follow Jesus, then you need to go there. Our our life has one purpose, and that's the glory of God. That's it. We've been created. Our bodies have been created to bring God glory. We've been commanded to follow Christ, and, and we're commissioned to devote our entire lives to this mission. Um, Hebrews was written, of course, to Jewish Christians in a time when it was not easy to be a Jewish Christian. They were driven by formalism. They were driven by traditions. Uh, they were driven by, de- by uh, defining really well what the camp means, where the lines are, and then staying in the camp. And in addition to that, they're, they're paralyzed by fear. Because for them, literally, to become a a Christian, to follow Christ, means to walk away from their comfort zones, to walk away from the camp, to walk away from what they know, for many to walk away from their jobs, for some to walk away from their families, and completely be devoted to Christ. And in that context, and what we're seeing in Hebrews, is that the, the author of Hebrews is essentially giving them two options. You have two options. You can either retreat from the mission that that you've been called to, or you can risk it all for the mission. That's it. You have two options. You can retreat. This is what it is. And you can retreat. And there will be people who retreat. You can retreat from the mission and say, it's too much. I can't follow Christ like that. I can't follow Christ with every fiber of my being. I can't do it. You can retreat from that, or you can risk everything for the mission. There is no in-between. As soon as you start to think there's an in-between, what you're doing is you're drifting. I love that analogy of drifting that he uses throughout Hebrews. Because that's what we do. We drift. It's not like we're intentionally turning the boat and moving in a different direction. We're just drifting. We're going by our feelings. We're going by by what feels right, by, by how... I don't know, by our circumstances maybe. 
by what feels comfortable to us, by whatever. We drift. And in drifting, what we're doing is we are retreating. Like, there is no middle ground. It's, it's, it's retreat from the mission or risk everything for the mission. Hebrews chapter 2. Be careful you do not drift away. Face it head on. Because he has destroyed death and even the fear of death. So be careful you don't drift, drift away, he said. Hebrews chapter 3. See to it that no one has a sinful, unbelieving heart, but encourage one another as long as it's called today. Hebrews chapter 6. Let us leave the elementary teachings and go on to maturity, not laying again the foundations leading to death. Hebrews chapter 10. Since we have confidence, let us draw near to God. Let us consider how we may spur one another, each other, on to good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together. Let us persevere. Let us keep pushing. Hebrews chapter 12. Let us not be like Esau, who retreated from his privilege as as bearer of, of his father's inheritance. He sold his birthright for a lousy bowl of stew. You have two options. You can either, you can drift, you can go with what feels right. If you feel like doing this, you can do it. If you don't feel like it, you don't have to do it. You you can harbor sin, You you can not get into relationships of accountability. You can sort of I don't know, have your like, little religious thing going on, but really keep a distance around yourself and not let people get too close because if they get too close, then you're going to have to deal with the sin that's in your heart. You can do that. Um, you can uh, listen to strange teachings, embrace strange teachings. You can be like Esau and you can sell it all for a lousy bowl of stew. You can, you can retreat. You can say, this is really not worth my life, and I'm going to retreat and find something else. I'm going to continue this journey of finding what, what, what's worth my life, what's worth my glory. And the reality is, is whatever you find out there, whether it's your job or your, your career, your house, your family, none of that is worth your glory. None of that is worth your glory. But you can do it. You can, you can retreat. Or... You can risk it all. You can, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to come my way, but I do know that I'm going to completely devote every fiber of my being to Jesus Christ. And I'm going I'm to glorify him with every bit of who I am. With everything. I was uh, painting the other day. I'm getting ready for company to come in. As I'm painting, like, I get really med- meditative when I paint, reflective, you know, I have tears. Kind of... you know, I just, I love painting, I really do. <laughs> and it uh, doesn't mean I'm going to paint your house for you, but I might help. Um, but I'm painting, I, I, see, I, I've been wrestling with this this week, like, what does it really mean, like, you know, we can sort of philosophically look at it going outside the camp, but tangibly speaking, what does it mean for us to go outside of the camp? What does it mean for us to say, we are currently here and this is really not where Jesus wants us to be and we're going to go where Jesus is outside the camp? What does that mean for us? And so I've been really wrestling with that this week and I've been, like, I, I walked out of my office one day just like, ah, like all flustered after I was studying this and I couldn't like picture it. 
And, uh, and I, so I walk down Pennsylvania Avenue where there's like open, open air drug trade and prostitution. I'm just like walking down Pennsylvania. I'm like, please teach me what it would mean to step out. I don't know, you know, maybe I should go further into West Baltimore. I don't know. <laughs> teach me what it means to go outside of the camp. What, what does that look like? What does that mean? And so I'm, I'm sitting there painting and, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden it just, it, it just hits me. And I and I begin I begin to see your faces. Like I'm I'm seeing our little budding garden here. And I'm seeing we have so many people like on vacation today, like visiting family. And I so wish they were here to hear this, but I'm glad you guys are here. And because I'm, I'm seeing their faces too. Like I'm seeing our, our family here at the garden. I'm seeing our faces and I'm 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 thinking, what does it mean for us as a church? to go outside the camp, to not be content with just living like everyone else, but to fully embrace the gospel and fully embrace our purpose in life and bringing glory to God. And, and as I'm thinking of it, like here I am painting and tears start coming down <laughs> because what I'm, what I'm seeing is this, is we, are, we will not, if we literally live this out, we won't grow old together here. We won't have a nice, comfortable little community where we all, in 50 years from now, are doing the same thing we're doing right now. If we, if we literally live this out and we commit as a church to, to, to be a church where every bit of our being is lived for the glory of God, then some of you will be sent from here some of you sitting, and I'm not saying, saying this like figuratively speaking, some of you may be sent from here. You say goodbye to, you, to this family here. Say goodbye to your blood family. Move to, across the world to live in places like Calcutta, the, the poorest of the poor. And through word and deed, you will preach the good news of Christ with your life. Others of you will, will earn degrees and you'll get jobs. But, but you won't work jobs for your own glory. You won't work jobs just to get a nice paycheck or for a promotion or for people to look at you. The jobs, whatever you're doing, maybe, maybe as an accountant or as a lawyer or as, we've got like so many lawyers, budding lawyers in this church, it's scary. <laughs> as an artist, maybe. Whatever you do, you're going to see yourself not as, not as a lawyer, but as a missionary in that field to those people that you're around sacrificing uh, possible promotions, possible jobs for, for the glory of God. And, and you will begin to, to understand what it means to change culture, to get in and to, and to see the gospel take root in some really deep secular areas of life. Others of you will, will be sent out from here and will plant churches in, in nations where radical Islam is just absolutely taking root. And some of you may lose your life. Some of you may die. You may not get gray. You may die at a young age for the glory of God. And, and at your funeral, we'll come together and we will, we will celebrate this God that you served, and we will celebrate the fact that you never retreated from the mission. Others of you will 
be sent out from here to plant churches in other, other inner cities, other parts of Baltimore. We'll, as a church, over the next however many years we're in existence, we'll invest thousands and thousands of dollars not into building our empire here, but to build God's kingdom everywhere through church planting, through poverty relief. Others of you will turn down lucrative job opportunities across the country so you can stay right here in this community, in this church, in this, in this city, and learn what it means to love your neighbor. And because of the way that you'll live your life and sacrifice things and sacrifice your time, you'll, you'll, you'll see young boys who are destined for the prison system. You'll see young, these young boys grow up to be men of God who learn what it means to love a wife and raise children. And and simply because you you never retreated from the mission. You were dedicated. You're going to persevere. No matter what you feel like doing, you're going to persevere. You're going to stick to it. You're going to keep your eyes focused on Christ. You will never retreat. We completely give ourselves away. That's what this means. If we, if, we literally, if we literally live it out. And as much as I love, like I really love you guys. I really, like I see you as brothers and sisters. I mean, I see you as my family. No offense to my family. <laughs> I see you, I, I called you my children the other day and Jess was like, Joel, that's rather presumptuous. <laughs> but I really do love you. But, and I, I, I'm like, I love stability and the idea of like, let's just, be together forever. That's not going to be the case. If we literally figure out what this means for us, we're gonna, it's going to be crazy. And we'll be constantly raising up leaders in the garden. We'll see somebody come to Christ. Some of you who have recently come to Christ will be raised up, uh, be discipled, and be sent out. Our best leaders sent out to continue spreading the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ through word and deed all over the world. That's what it would look like. That's what it that's what it would look like. Now, why would we risk everything? Why, why would we give everything away? Why would we, you know, when you really just think about it, why would we completely live our lives in a way that, is, that just gives everything away, that risks everything for, for this? Um, look at verse 14. For here, here, we do not have an enduring city. Here, we do not have a continuing city. We don't have something that's going to last forever and ever and ever. It's rather shaky here. It's not an enduring city. But we are looking for the city that is to come. We are not citizens of the camp. We're not citizens of this city. We're not citizens of America. We're citizens of a different and coming kingdom. We're citizens of the coming Baltimore. We're citizens of a a city that will not be shaken. And that city is not found here. It's found out here where Jesus is. And so all of the comforts, everything that this has to offer us, it's just no longer attractive. 
We, just, we don't care. And it's, there's no joy found in that stuff anymore because Jesus isn't there. And so we leave that and we, we go outside of the camp, outside of the city walls in pursuit of Jesus, in pursuit of this coming kingdom of God, which we are citizens. Some of you are, you, you want to know Christ, you want to experience Christ, and, and you're a believer, but you're just not really experiencing Christ. And you're trying hard, you're praying harder, you're reading more, more Bible, and you're, you're just not experiencing Christ, and it's because you're trying to experience Christ here, where it's safe, where it's comfortable. And Christ is here. What, what would it look like for you then to fully experience the glory and the joy of Jesus Christ? Figure out what it means to, for you to go outside the camp. Like That's, that's a question that you have to answer. For what, it, what does it mean? What is, what is outside the camp for you? What does it mean to go outside of the camp? Find the places that are hurting, the brokenness, the sin. Go outside the camp and serve. It's that simple. Go outside of the camp, figure out what that means for you. And then when you're there, love like Jesus and serve and you will experience Jesus there. You will experience greater joy than you've ever experienced. It's that, that's being Jesus. You're, you are becoming one with Christ, with his mission. And others of you are sitting here and you're like, man, like I'm outside the camp. You're listening to this and you're like, I'm, I'm like way down here. I'm off the chart. I'm so, I'm so broken I am so ostracized. I am so misunderstood. I am so, uh, there is so much pain and hurt in my life, it's unbelievable. I am so outside the city gates. And the good news is this, is that Jesus went outside the camp. Jesus has come to where you are. And through his blood, he has made you holy. That is the gospel. That's it. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this entire book of Hebrews and the great message that you have given to us in the way that your spirit has made it alive in, in my own heart and in the hearts of, of all of us as a community. And God, we do ask that you do teach us what it means for us as a community to live outside of the camp and to never create this comfort zone and that we over the next 30 40 50 60 years however long we're here that we live every bit of our being of our energy all of it lived for your honor and for your glory we thank you for the blood which has brought us into this eternal covenant of love and we thank you for the resurrection of christ which is destroyed even the fear of death. We thank you for shepherding us, for pastoring us, 
God, we ask that you equip us to do your will, to do good works, to spread the gospel through word and through deed, so we may please you through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever and ever. Amen.